Welcome back to Three Decades of Tragedy, a history of the Thirty Years' War. Since I have nothing to announce, let's get started. Last week I said we were going to talk about Mantua and La Rochelle. For those of you who don't know Europe, Mantua is a territory in Northern Europe, which is made up of Mantua itself, along with the territory of Monferrato. And at this time period, it was a center of conflict over an inheritance issue. The main issue was an issue of issue. More specifically, the Duke of Mantua, the Gonzaga family, had no male heir, and the next best claim on the territory was their French relation, Duke Charles, who controlled the duchies of Nevers and Rethel in northeastern France. For those of you who aren't versed in medieval and early modern inheritance, in most places, men inherited before women, and the male line was generally more dominant slash a better claim to any territory. So with the loss of a male line... The female line had a weaker claim that was there, so a male line could step in and take over. It generally varied between countries and different lords, so some lords were more open to females taking over, other ones aren't, but the general gist is males. Males were more important than females when it came to inheritance. The main value of this territory wasn't that it was wealthy. It was the fact that it was strategically positioned on the Po River. The conflict was a local one, not necessarily a big one, but despite that, it dragged in powers like Spain... France and such, which made it much bigger than it really needed to be. Spain and France got involved because they were rival dynasties who didn't want either family to get more power. France was the Bourbon dynasty, who you know as the last royal dynasty, the French Revolution people, that was that dynasty, whereas the Spanish were the Habsburgs. France was surrounded by the Habsburgs to the south of Spain to the east with the HRE, so they wanted to make sure their claim was known and asserted and their opponents weren't just going to get what they wanted. Ferdinand did send some troops initially to assist asserting his authority in northern Italy, but there was no armed conflict initially. There was no need at first. Duke Charles was a zealous man and had a strong degree of self-importance. So when he was given the opportunity to inherit another piece of land, he couldn't resist. In 1627, he sent his son to marry the niece of the dying Duke of Mantua with the Pope's blessing in order to preempt other potential claimants to the territory. By June 15th, 1628, the Duke then died three days after the wedding, but Charles' supporters proclaimed him the new Duke before the other claimants could be informed. By January 15th, 1628, he had moved to Mantua and sent a letter to Ferdinand to acquire imperial recognition. This created chaos because Spain and Ferdinand were not looking to fight France, but they failed to control their subordinates and what was going on, which led to Cardinal Richelieu being able to take advantage of the situation potentially. It wasn't all bad, however. Duke Charles was mistrusted by France as he was known as a power-hungry man, but Richelieu was busy dealing with the Huguenots throughout 1628 up till October. The Huguenots were a branch of French Protestants who had become a growing power within France, who were a very Catholic nation, despite their many issues with the papacy in their past. This lack of control by pretty much everyone meant that the situation would go more out of control than anyone expected. Fights for secession can be messy, and there were several that happened before and after that became expensive and bigger than expected, such as the War of Spanish Secession in the 18th century after the collapse of the Habsburg family. Inheritance, especially with royalty, was a big thing in Europe, and could be expensive. Ferdinand technically controlled all matters of inheritance in northern Italy, as it was under the HRE control, and he had promised the Gonzaga family to counter French and papal influence, and had even married the recently passed Duke's sister, Eleonora, in 1622. She wasn't a fan of him, she didn't like him, but she knew his influence would help her family 
keep their influence in Italy. Ferdinand didn't actually want to denounce Charles. He just wanted him to compensate the Gonzaga family for giving up their inheritance, as well as give up the fortunes of Casale to imperial control. He didn't want to alienate the rest of the Gonzaga family, as they had served him loyally during the Bohemian Revolt, and he also didn't want to piss off Spain or France or anybody else. He wanted to assert control, but he didn't want to create a bigger international incident. He also wanted to keep others out of the decision, wanting to assert his own sole authority in the matter of inheritance. It's the principle of the fact that he should be the only one determining inheritance within his territory, within the bounds of his power. Richelieu was also loath to support Charles, seeing as him getting territory there would look like he would become part of the Habsburg clientele, which meant there would be opening to the French court, anyone to avoid Habsburg influence within the French court. Spain also had ambitions to claim the territory, as they wanted to assert their own authority in northern Italy. Ferdinand was aware of this, and ordered Cordova, the Spanish governor in Milan, to not send troops to Mantua or Monferrato. He later sent Johann of Nassau-Sigen to sequester both territories for a final judgment, but by the time he reached Milan two months later, the situation had changed. Cordova was left no instructions how to deal with the situation because of the ongoing Dutch war, as I covered last week, so he decided to deal with the tension with Savoy over Mantua making a deal with Duke Carlo Emmanuel on December 25th to partition Montferrat and Castelli would then go to Spain, which would effectively ignore Ferdinand's authority. Savoy in Spain had conflict over territory, so this was basically a way to, you get something, I get something, and we're both happy. He sent a letter to Madrid, who were mixed in this decision, but because they assumed Cordova held Casale, they condoned this action. Cordova actually hadn't moved at all, seeing that he was undermanned with only 10,000 men, and Savoy had only around 5,500, so he did not have the forces that he could move on them directly, or was confident on it. However, the armies marched in, and each side took their half of Monferrato, but they were delayed at Casale, and the commander there called Cordova's bluff when he was given a letter supposedly sent to them by the emperor of the HRE to report for the fortress to surrender. So, with the fortress not surrendering, Cordova was forced to call in Genoan engineers, siege engines, and a large loan to prepare for a long siege. This delay, however, allowed Charles to gather around 13,500 militia at Mantua and Casale, along with 6,600 under a French general being raised by his French estates. Charles then rejected Ferdinand and Cordova's terms, which were to give up Casale for imperial recognition. They didn't necessarily want him to lose his claim on the city in Mantua, they just wanted the territory that came with it. The French court was still opposed to intervening, trying to frustrate Charles's reinforcements, but even in the face of that, and men deserting the army, the reinforcements made their way over the Alps to assist Casale. However, they were caught and dispersed by most of the troops of Savoy, leading to the siege holding. The situation at this point had gotten out of hand and had grown beyond the point of simple negotiation, which would only make things more of a headache for everyone. This conflict was going to grow, but France had many things going on. Like I mentioned previously, I will cover France in more detail when we get to France formally during the war, which will include covering people like Richelieu, but for now, we will focus on Spain and this whole issue. On the French front, Charles, despite being able to hold out in the siege, needed outside help. Richelieu, however, was busy dealing with La Rochelle and the Synagogue of Satan, who were the Huguenots of La Rochelle, which were a central pillar in their authority. At this point, it was not a full siege, just a blockade of the city. England wanted to help them, but were kept at bay by French control over the islands of Oloron and Ray. The Duke of Buckingham, 
who, if any of you read the Three Musketeers, is one of the characters in that one and played a central part in the sort of espionage sort of angle of that story. He invested money into creating an army to take control from the French, which added up to 115 ships, 4,500 sailors, and 7,000 soldiers, which at the time, the English Navy had around 145 ships, so he privately funded a navy almost as large as the actual Royal Navy. This was a significant investment, and they landed on Ray on July 21st, 1627, trying to to break the blockade around La Rochelle. The 3,000 troops on the island just retreated to the citadel, and both sides waited for the other to starve out, since the island had very few resources. The British forces found getting supplies difficult, while the French had more reliable food coming in and other supplies, and eventually Buckingham was forced to order an assault on November 6th, only to discover the ladders were too short to assault the walls, which left around 2,000 survivors to retreat and to break their siege on the place. This failure allowed Richelieu to justify a full siege on La Rochelle, him and the king bringing 15,000 troops and blocking off the harbor by sinking ships. La Rochelle was holding out, the mayor and his 5,000 troops confident they could hold off the enemy. Buckingham tried to send more forces, but they lacked the resolve to attack the harbor, and even if they did, it did very little. The situation in Europe was that everyone was waiting to see who would hold out longer, Casale or La Rochelle. But, unfortunately for the Huguenots, the French army rose to around 25,000, and the numbers in the city fell, the population going from 27,000 to 8,000 due to disease and famine. There was an attempt by the British to bombard the barrier to the harbor on September 18th, 1628, but it failed miserably. PR had also turned against the Huguenots, as the Catholic world had decided that it was time to end the Huguenot threat, and by October 28th, La Rochelle had surrendered unconditionally, leaving Richelieu free to act, but he hesitated to assist Charles. Charles, knowing he wasn't well-liked, got the Cardinals to support him by claiming he would be forced to become a Spanish vassal if he wasn't rescued and supported. Richelieu, knowing his hand was forced, sent his army to relieve Casale, although he wasn't confident that he had enough men, wanting 40,000 when he actually had around 20,000 or so. He was less worried about Charles's inheritance, but he needed to say face to the rest of Europe and show that they would not fall to the forces of the Habsburgs. He also wanted to make sure the Mantua situation was resolved before the Huguenots could regroup. The king himself led 10,000 men across the Mount Ginevra Pass on February 28, 1629, assaulting a Spanish and Savoy position of 4,000, losing more men to avalanches than fighting. After a couple days of battle, Savoy came to negotiate with France, agreeing to stop the siege if they had their part of the Monferrato inheritance recognized, which France agreed to. They then also accepted the French term that the French wrote to garrison Casale, which was fair to them. They just wanted their bit of land. Spain was discouraged by this lack of support, and they were forced to concede, giving up the siege and reinforcing the garrison. Spain was discouraged by this lack of support and were forced to concede, giving up the siege, and the French reinforced the garrison, along with putting one at Susa, in order to ensure Savoy played along. With the situation resolved, Richelieu moved on to the Huguenot stronghold at Languedoc. The 3,000 people of the town of Privas were either killed or expelled after it fell on May 26th, and with this brutal action, the Huguenots were forced to accept the grace of a light, which confirmed their religious and judicial privileges, but they lost political and military autonomy that they had before. This resolution strengthened the position of Richelieu in the French monarchy, and was an early sign of his potential opposition to the Habsburgs' monarchy. However, Mantua was not resolved just yet, as the Imperials have their own issues, and Mantua is, once again, an example of how international relations can make smaller conflicts in Europe explode, a good example of that being World War One, which was just a domino chain of alliances coming to effect. It's also a decent way to describe the Thirty Years' War. The Thirty Years' War is less of a one war, it's more of several smaller wars 
that coincide with the same claims, the same issues, that created one big 30-year-long mess and created three decades of tragedy, aka the name of the podcast. I'm a little clever, but I'll leave this topic here for now, as next week we'll continue this. I want to thank you all for listening, and I hope you are enjoying it. Next time, we'll deal with the Imperial response to the Spanish defeat at Mantua, and the continuing military issues there. Social media links will be in the description box, or in the links themselves. You can email me at 3decot at gmail.com. Reminder about the Patreon, and to review and spread the word, and I'll see you guys next time.